While your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Barrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening. We can also take your messages on the WBSM app. It's a big night tonight um, in the New Bedford City Council. Uh, that's going to be a primary area of our focus, but I also want to turn to uh, something that happened in the Supreme Court that has a local focus uh, as well, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But 508 that's how you can join me, and we'll take your messages on the app chat. What's happening now is the city council is just um, just starting their meeting, right? I'm sure the gavel has uh, been struck, and uh, the meeting is beginning. And in that meeting is going to be the veto override votes on the three ballot questions. Now, if you're a regular listener of South Coast Tonight, or really any of our programming here at WBSM, you're probably familiar with the vetoes, with the three ballot questions the city council proposed. But let's go over it anyway for background. There are three questions that were, I think, last month put up for a vote. One of them, the first one, and the one that's probably generated the most conversation is the one on rent stabilization, or as some call it, rent control. There's been a lot of debate about the language that's used to describe it, um, but rent state was some sort of you know rent restriction, and it's asking the voters. the The question purpo- uh, purports to ask the voters whether or not New Bedford should enact a rent stabilization ordinance. That was proposed by New Bedford City Council Shane Burgo. Uh, Shane is the uh, he's made housing a signature issue of his uh, first term, and probably throughout the you know his next terms as well if he's if he's reelected um he's you know the uh the co-lead of the home group he is the um he's the chair of the housing committee uh in the city council and he actually first proposed this question here on south coast tonight the ballot question um rent stabilization has been a hot topic lately because boston passed a rent stabilization ordinance the rub is any rent stabilization ordinance, like the one in Boston, or like one that New Bedford would have proposed, would have to get improve, approved by both chambers of the state legislature, and then signed by Governor Healy. But this question just wants to ask people whether or not they want, uh, they are going to, they should ask the public whether or not they should move forward with it. They want to ask the public um, uh, that question. So... Um, the second, I see some calls on the line. We'll, we'll get to them in a minute. 508-996-0500. You know what? Let's go. Let's, let's do it now. Why not? Good evening. Hello. Yeah, Marcus. What's up? Yeah. Uh, are you aware of, uh, the ruling that just came down from the Supreme Court, Superior Court on the Sheriff's Office? No, I'm not. Yeah. You need to look at the, uh, the article it just came out it's it's uh 
I guess, Sheriff Hodge and uh, the inmate suicide thing. It's on MassLawyerWeekly.com. Okay. And it's a big article, and it just came out that the Bristol County Sheriff's Office was found uh, to be responsible for not preventing the suicide and all that. It's quite a, it's quite a big, extensive article. Oh, man. All right. I'm going to check that out on the next break. I appreciate you bringing that to me. No, I was not made aware of that. So yeah. I really appreciate that. That's, so they, they're saying that they're responsible for a, a particular suicide or a few suicides? Yeah, I guess the way the article read was that the uh, civil rights attorneys and mental health advocates, you know, filed a lawsuit, uh, and I guess I guess they they won it. You know what I mean? So you read read the article; it's quite it's quite a big article. It's on it's on that uh, that site, MassLawyersWeekly.com. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with the with the mag. It's a it's a it's yeah, magazine. I think it would be yeah. A lawyer. Okay, yeah, I'm going to check that out. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. All right, so that's something we can definitely talk about too. Uh, looks like there's a lot happening, so let's um, let's we'll, we'll get into that uh, when I have a chance to just look it over, uh, which I probably will during the break. Um, just you know, get a, at least a cursory read of it. I reached out to the sheriff's office spokesperson uh, to see if we can get some background on it uh, as well. Um, maybe we can get sheriff on if he has any opinion on it as well. well we'll we'll work on that we'll work on that but i appreciate that we've got a great audience a really uh attentive well-read audience and i appreciate them uh bringing stories like that 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 are really important obviously we're following and you're following uh everything that's been going on at the bristol county uh the bristol county sheriff's office now that it's um under new leadership with uh bristol county sheriff paul Haro. and one of those issues you know that was talked about was uh, during the campaign was inmate suicides. There was a suicide that happened during the campaign, and another attempted suicide that it, that had uh, that had occurred at the same time at the Ash Street Jail. And then a few days into Sheriff Haru's tenure, there was also another suicide at the Dartmouth Jail. Um, uh, all of them, uh, well, what the the one at Ash Street was a suicide by asphyxiation, and um, with the use of toilet paper. The other one was a suicide by. Um, hanging uh that had happened uh in the in the Dartmouth jail, the one that happened under Sheriff Harrow in his first few days in office. So we'll look into that. We're gonna we're gonna take a look at that. Um when I get more information, more context, we can we can definitely talk more about that. But just a little background again on those on those ballot questions because there was a rally at City actually going back to the rent stabilization ballot question there was a rally um, outside of City Hall. Uh, Adam Bass is on the scene. He was reporting. Uh, he had saw. Um, he had taken some pictures. I saw. Obviously, Councilor at Large Shane Burgo was there. Uh, Eric Andrade, who had organized the rally, a local community activist. Uh, Marlene Pollock of the Coalition for Social Justice. I saw there. I saw Rich Trolley, who's the chair of the the City Democratic Party. So looks like there's some prominent uh, figures in local uh, local politics there, um, local Democratic slash progressive politics, um, organizing that rally. And what at, by, by what Adam told me, he estimated about fifty to sixty people. So that's a lot. And uh, it looks like Shane uh, spoke at the rally too. Adam should have uh, shared a picture of Shane um, speaking to the crowd. 
508-996-0500. That's how you can join us this evening. We can take your messages on the app chat. So um, other than the rent stabilization question, there was the Community Preservation Act question. I would say this one got a lot of buzz as well. Um, I mean, we talked about it at length, uh, you know, the CPA and the Community Preservation Act, which is, if you're not familiar, it's a state law where communities that opt into the uh, Community Preservation Act and they have to opt in through a ballot referendum, um, they, they, um, they basically, it's a 1.5% uh, surcharge on your property taxes. Fairhaven has CPA. I sat on the Fairhaven CPA committee for a bit. Uh, Dartmouth has, uh, we did a lot of good work there too. Dartmouth does a, um, Dartmouth does a, a CPA as well. There's a lot of communities around here that do CPA. I think they, all of them do except for maybe one or two, like in the South Coast, maybe like Rochester, somewhere in the Tri-Town, I think. I might be wrong, but you can correct me if I am. But uh, basically, it's 1.5 sur uh, surcharge on property taxes that goes into a fund and that gets, right now, as of recently, gets about a 40% match from the state. Um, there's also, <clears throat> and those go to fund projects in three areas, historical preservation, um, open space and recreation, uh, so like public parks, stuff like that, and housing, which obviously is the issue of the day um, in terms of, uh, you know, local, really national issues, but obviously a very local issue here, not just in, really not just in New Bedford, but throughout the south south coast, we need more housing here in Fairhaven. Dartmouth's building some housing now. Uh, Dartmouth's been better at, at it, I think, than than uh, Fairhaven has in terms of the the surrounding communities. They've been they're building um they're building some housing too. Um, you just saw I don't know if you saw that. Uh, looks like the old um, Allendale Country Club is going to be a uh, housing development. Actually, they're going to build some housing units there. The property was sold for three million dollars. Uh, there's a story on WBSM and Form 107. I believe Michael Rock uh, wrote the story. But I actually I, I couldn't believe the pictures I saw of, of Allendale because I used to go there for parties and stuff like that. And it was, you know, nice place. And uh, it's been, <laughs> uh, for lack of a better term, abandoned. Uh, so and it very much looks abandoned. So that looks like it's going to be repurposed. So the uh that that uh that question was put forward by council president linda morad she said she'd gotten some phone calls from the residents saying that they were upset about the surcharge um no other city councilor said they got those phone calls um and um there's been some city councilors that have been more vehemently i think uh, uh vocally opposed to this the cpa ballot question um, because, you know, the argument is basically it does a lot of good and necessary work. You think of the house, every, uh, all of the housing units that are coming online, the new housing units have access CPA funds. There's, you know, work that's done in Buttonwood Park and Brooklawn Park and, uh, you know, the New Bedford Art Museum, the Whaling Museum. Uh, a lot of that's being done with CPA funds, uh, as well. So a lot of good essential work, uh, is being done. And there's talk about, you know, trying to leverage more of that money for housing development projects because you basically, I think you got to uh, do 50% for those three um, areas, historical preservation, open space and recreation and housing. And there's another 50% that you can sort of just use how you want. And I know that there's been some counselors that have argued that, that some of that 50% has to be used, should be used for exclusively for housing after um, the, the three areas are met with the uh, rest of the allocation. So that, that, they're basically, it's a non, that, that's another non-binding question. All these questions are non-binding, by the way. Um, basically asking the residents, should they repeal it? 
Um, it was passed by a ballot referendum in 2015 here in New Bedford or 2014, some, not, not fairly recently, under, within a decade. Um, I know some people who have actually, who actually went out and canvassed for it, mobilized for it. Some, uh, former local elected officials told me that actually. Um, I was talking to former Ward 3 Councilor Hugh Dunn at the time. I think he was working for Bill Keating. Uh, he organized, uh, he organized some canvassing for that, uh, as well as other very, very prominent um, local officials uh, to try to get the CPA passed in New Bedford. So that's been a topic of discussion as well. Um, that ballot question is also up for the veto override. The third ballot question is the whether or not they should move the mayoral term from four years back to two years. So it was two years for a long time. Uh, it was recently in 2017 um, made uh, to be a Four-year term by ballot referendum. Now, this one was this ballot referendum was petitioned by members of the community, and then you know there was a serious uh, you know campaign effort behind it. A lot of local business leaders and community leaders had really pushed hard for it. I remember it was called Forward, but Forward, you know, F O U R Forward, you know, not F O R. So that is up for, um, that is up, uh, uh, that, that is the question that's before the council as well, because Mayor Mitchell vetoed all three of these ballot questions. So now the vetoes are up for, it takes like a pro, it's a process. It's called like spread or you got to spread them or whatever it's called. I forget, you know, Linda Morad, when she's on with, um, when she's on with Tim tomorrow, will probably explain that process, um, more thoroughly. Those three ballot questions are up. Now, they all passed with relative ease last time. Um, yeah, they all passed with relative ease last time. But now, after there's been some discussion, some public discussion, the mayor vetoed the ballot question, had a very stern, um, I, I would I would say scathing rebuke of those ballot questions and the process to which they were put forward, saying there was little public debate um, no committee process and he was not, no one talked to him uh, about it. And it feels like something that, you know, the, the mayor sh- should have probably been looped in on. So despite the fact that they were passed with relative ease in that last meeting, a lot of counselors have had the opportunity to reconsider their position publicly and have publicly said that they are, ha- they are, voting the other way they're voting to sustain the mayor's veto and keep those ballots keep those questions off the ballot they cite their reasons scott lima came up with a press release today on the rent control question saying he's going to vote against putting that question on the ballot so he's going to vote to sustain the mayor's veto um he also said he's going to vote to sustain the mayor's veto on the four-year the switch from four-year to two-year terms um i know that uh, Councilor Abreu has been opposed to all three ballot questions at the outset. Uh, Councilor Lima was uh, always against the CPA ballot question. Um, I've spoken with some councilors uh, off air about it uh, just to get a temperature check of where they're at. And uh, some councilors have publicly said they're going to vote against certain ballot questions. I know Maria Giesta had texted into Barry's show about three weeks to a month ago but said that uh, she was going to vote to um, sustain the mayor's veto on the CPA question and vote to sustain his veto on the uh, four-year to two-year mayoral term question and that she's still considering the rent stabilization ballot question. So 
But just based on conversations I've had with some counselors, based on some counselors publicly coming out against uh, some of these ballot questions uh, or coming out and for some of these ballot questions, um, I think all three are going to fail. We had Sean Oliver call in, say he was going to vote in favor of the ballot question for the four-year, two-year term, but he was going to vote against the other two. He was going to vote against the ballot question asking people if they want to repeal the CPA. And he was going to go vote against the ballot question of rent control, rent stabilization, whatever you want to call it. He was going to vote against that. He had voted against it at the outset. He, that was actually his very first meeting. Um, and so I think all three of them are going to fail. We're probably going to hear some speeches on the floor about this. I imagine Council Burgo will have a lot to say about the sprint stabilization question because that's uh, something that he's he proposed originally and he had fought for. Uh, he's he's fighting for, and um, I think that the um, <clears throat> I don't know what we'll hear on the other two questions. I think it was Brian Gomes who brought uh, the mayoral term question forward and the CPA question was brought by Council President Morad. The CPA question I can say with absolute certainty that one is doa um just based on the conversations that have been public and some of them i've had off air uh with with uh with city councilors that question is not going to pass i would be shocked it would be there would it would mean like three or four people change their minds fairly recently if that question ends up on the ballot the rent control, the 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 four-year mayoral term, based on my count, if you've got Councilor Lima against it, Councilor Giesta against it, Councilor Abu against it, that's three. Um, I think there are some. Uh, that's three. You won't, you can only have three councilors vote against it to sustain that veto. Uh, I mean to to um to override that veto. So one councilor flipping the other way is going to. Um, keep that question off the ballot because you need a supermajority for a veto override. Much like Congress needs a two-thirds majority, the city council needs a supermajority as well. So I think all three of those questions are going to be dead. The one that I'm less sure of is the rent stabilization question because publicly I know that there are three councillors that have come out against that rent stabilization ballot question. It is Councillor Lima, who came out with a press release today, Councillor Burgo, I mean, not Councilor Pergo, sorry. Councilor Abreu, who was against the question uh, at the outset. Councilor Oliver, who was against the question at the outset. The new Ward 3 City Council. So, we'll, um, I, I think that, the, you know, I think that there is going to be at least one more that's going to peel off of that, but I'm less certain about that. So, we'll see. There is a big rally outside, apparently 50 to 60 people that was organized by local community activists. I don't know what conversations may have been had in the interim uh, between the time that I've spoken with some of these councilors and some of these councilors have been on the air and the time that the, the vote is, is going to be taken, which it may be taken right, um, right now. Uh, so... Uh, but 508-996-0500. We'll get some updates from Adam Bass uh, as well. He's going to be probably calling in um, at certain points throughout the show, and he's going to be he's going to be calling in at certain points uh, throughout the show. And uh, if he's you know if he's able to get back into the studio in time, uh, depending on what time the meeting ends, um, we'll see if we can get him in the studio to talk a little bit about the meeting uh, and of course he's going to get right on that uh, article that'll be out on wbsm.com so after the meeting adam bass works very quickly 
to get that uh, to get that stuff out there for you to read. So you want to be checking uh, later tonight, WBSM.com. You can check WBSM.com today, uh, right now, actually, uh, for some good stories that we have. Um, I wrote a couple yesterday. One of them was on uh Governor Maura Healy and Lieutenant Governor Kim Driscoll's visit to Fall River uh, to, to tour local businesses and uh, speak, uh, host a business roundtable at the new creative class building in Fall River. That creative class building is actually very interesting because it fulfills a housing need, which is obviously a big need in Fall River as well. And uh, it also reserves space for studio space for local artists and um, entrepreneurial space because they have the groundwork co-working space, which was... I think I believe pioneered in New Bedford. Um, there is a groundwork in New Bedford too, and there's one in Fall River. They're very nice spaces. They're very cool. I've been to them. They're they're very cool, and I think good spaces for people who need an area to work that's uh, peaceful and accommodating. Um, that might not necessarily can't uh, may not necessarily yet be able to afford or need um, a full time dedicated uh, single space. So. You definitely want to check that out. And also a visit by New Bedford police officers, uh, Lieutenant Scott Carolla and uh, Officer Manny Segura, um to the Spectrum uh, Productions, Inc., which is a, n- a nonprofit uh, community. Uh, it's a nonprofit uh, community theater group uh, for performers with autism that I'm actually the I'm actually the president of that organization. But um, they, they came to um, visit the, the performers with their two um, uh, uh Patrol cars or two specialized patrol cars. One is the autism awareness car, which is really cool. And the other is they just unveiled as the suicide awareness patrol car. Uh, they're very cool. They look cool. They send a nice message. And uh, you can check out that story. You can see pictures of the car. You can see pictures of the performers hanging out at the car. Um, it's and uh, some of the pictures of of the performers uh, doing a rehearsal of their uh, of their production Shrek, which will be a local community theater production that'll be put on sometime early next year uh, that they're that they're practicing for now. So that's all there on wbsm.com that you can check out. And um, what we'll uh, what we'll do, I think, is take a break. We'll see if we can get some updates on uh, on some things. We might not be able to. We might. We might not be able to. We will see. Uh, we'll see. But uh, if you want to join in the conversation, if you want to send us a call, uh, send give us a call at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. You or if you want to send us an app chat on the WBSM app. Let us know what you think about some of the stuff that's been going on. We can talk about anything you'd like. We can talk about, you know, the the jail standoff. Talk about the jail. Uh, you could talk about the jail standoff. We could talk about uh, that happened last week. We could talk about, um, you know, the sheriff's office. Uh, this new ruling that came down in Mass uh, from the SJC with Mass Lawyers Weekly. That I'll attempt to. Uh, I'll check out. I Mass Lawyers Weekly is a magazine. Um, it used to. I used to see it in our. Uh, when I was at UMass Law over here in Dartmouth, uh, I used to see it in the um, in the library. Uh, you know, used to peruse it. Um, actually, browse it. Peruse usually, I think, has become to mean browse, but it actually means to study very carefully. So, I I, I went to uh, you know I've, I've I've browsed it a few times, and I'll check out the uh, Mass Lawyers uh, Weekly article, but. Before then, I'll take your calls at 508-996-0500. We'll take your app chat messages on the WBSM app chat. Again, very exciting. Uh, we're going to get some news on the um, – we're going to get some live updates on the city council meeting where those 
ballot questions that have been the subject of much discussion throughout the last month are being put up to a vote for a veto override, uh, trying to override Mayor Mitchell's veto. So um, some have phrased it as a standoff between Mayor Mitchell and uh, and City Council President Morad, and uh, we'll see. Um, but uh, until then, I'm going to take a break. And we'll take your calls at 508-996-0500. We'll take your messages on the WBSM app. So stay tuned. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm going to take a break. Welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus, 508-996-0500. That's how you can join us uh, this evening. Um, we'll also take your messages on the app chat. Uh, so I did get a chance to just briefly look at the uh, article. I can I can give you the gist of the issue without it's you know there's a little bit of um, legal stuff that I'd have to just look at, you know just read before I can get into a really in depth conversation about it. Um, but uh, but I did get a app chat from um, Meaty. Meaty in Westport and saying now it's a quote standoff. Ha ha ha. Well, so sure. You want to, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you can use the term riot. I, I, it's, it's fine. It's just a matter of, I guess it's just a matter of branding how you want to brand it. I know the sheriff had an objection to the term riot. Um, I believe going forward, uh, WBSM's, um, phrasing of this incident is standoff incident. I believe other media outlets have also said standoff incident um, uh, with respect to this. Um, I frankly think if you want to say riot, I don't think that's really super off uh, off base or I don't think it's, you know, a malappropriism. I don't think it's a ridiculous misuse of the word riot, I should say. Um, but, uh, cause riot, you know, is basically like a violent act to disturb, um, you know, the peace more or less rough definition. Um, that's more or less accurate though. And there wasn't, you know, and I think what the sheriff was saying in this particular circumstances, there wasn't any personal violence. Like there wasn't a vi- any violence from one person to another. There wasn't a, a single person who was seriously injured or maybe even injured at all. There wasn't, uh, and nobody had to be, had to go to the hospital. So that I think, you know, maybe the term riot might be a little bit too incendiary. Uh, but I think if you want to use the term riot, it's fine. Standoff. I think it's fine. I think you could just use whatever word you want. It's just a matter of which, which type of branding you prefer. I like the term standoff. I'll continue to use the term standoff, but if you want to say riot, I'm not going to say, well, no, it wasn't a riot. It was a standoff because, like I said, I I think it's just a matter of branding um, and, you know, using what word that you think is appropriate because it's all it's all very it's all very uh, it's all very subjective. It's all very subjective. So um, Meaty from Westport, if you'd like to use the word riot, uh, you know, go ahead. I appreciate the uh, app chat. We'll take more app chats at 508-996-0500. Uh, we got another app chat from a New Bedford from a New Bedford resident asking uh, how many votes um, the city council needs to sustain the uh, to sustain the vetoes. Again, they need eight. I mean to over uh, to override the vetoes. They need eight votes. Eight. So that's um, 
That's a high bar. So that means only three counselors could vote against it in order for the override to happen. If it's four, the veto is sustained. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. Hello. Hi, Marcus. Hey, what's up? Hey, maybe it wasn't a riot. Maybe it was an insurrection. <laughs> well, I don't know if it was an insurrection because I don't think anybody was there trying to plot the, um, you know, the, the removal of, of the sheriff from the office or any type of regime change. But um, I, so I don't, I don't know if that I think that might be a little bit of a stretch. You know what really got me when I heard the sheriff, the present sheriff, say that they negotiated with the rioters. Who ever heard of negotiating with prisoners? Well, um, I think so. The situation was they'd had a list of demands and like things that they wanted, right? And I don't think he said like, oh, we're going to give you this stuff. We're going to give you that stuff. I think it was just responding to those demands. Like they said they wanted more programming. He's actually implementing more programming, right? They said they wanted more uh, TVs. And he said, no, you can't get more TVs because you just destroyed the TVs in your cell. So I think I don't know if it was a negotiation as so much as it was like sort of a tactic, to sort of cool tensions a little bit. But he did say as soon as he handed him the piece of paper with the response to the demands, they ripped it up. They weren't interested in yeah, it. Yeah, the sheriff shouldn't have even thought of negotiating with the uh, prisoners. I mean, who's in charge, the prisoners or the uh, sheriff? There's no uh, back and forth negotiations. That's crazy. Well, at the end of the day, I think, you know, um, all of the inmates that were in those units were peacefully subdued. Uh, and the 20 or so that were the instigators were sent off uh, to other places and criminally charged. So it seems as though, you know, I think the sheriff has, you know, very clearly established that he's in charge in the, in the, in the end result. But Marcus, when these 20 prisoners, the instigators, the ringleaders are sent to other facilities. Don't you think they'll be looked upon as heroes? It's kind of, it's it's common to, um, if there's an incident, like somebody's criminally charged with a specific incident in a, in a house of correction, it's not uncommon to um, send them to other places because, you know, it just seems like if there's a particular incident, it's probably be the best case scenario for both the correction officer and the defendant to be elsewhere. I've had defendants that have, uh, been accused of doing stuff uh, in the jail um, to correctional officers and stuff. And so we've always, uh, you know, I've always made a point to to have them try to be have them held elsewhere or be sentenced. Uh, if they can't be held elsewhere, be sentenced elsewhere because there's a lot of, there's, you know, might be a little bit too much history between the between the correctional officers and the inmates for that to be a workable situation for both of them. Right. But say you send a, a, one of those prisoners Say you send them to Illinois or you know. Yeah, more likely uh, Nor Norfolk, Norfolk, Norfolk or, or Suffolk, Norfolk or Suffolk County, yep. um, Plymouth County. Probably would be looked upon as heroes, right? They yep. went against the sheriff and uh, they got uh, transferred. So hey, why don't we try it here? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess they're going to spend more time in prison now, most likely, if there's evidence that they've, you know, destroyed hundreds of thousands of dollars of property in the in the House of Correction. They're they're going to get criminally charged. So a lot of, and I think all of them that were that were moved were actually awaiting trials. So none of them were being sentenced yet. So 
you know, even if they get acquitted of the thing they're being accused of, you can tack on some more time on their sentence for yeah, whatever, those, whatever they've they done. Really uh, some people might, you know, some people might, some some people might not care. Some people, I, some people might not care. Some people do. I mean, if you're if you're only going to serve, if you're awaiting trial for a, a crime that's you know likely going to get you six months or maybe even get you acquit, maybe it's a case that you'll get acquitted on, yeah. and then you've got to do a year, maybe two years, maybe two and a half for what you you know for a stupid incident that you know some stupid behavior that you had on one particular day uh, in the in the jail. Um, I, I think people, a lot of people would care about that, especially somebody in the, facing twenty years. What's another year and a half? And if someone's facing twenty, if someone's, I mean, if someone's facing twenty, if someone's facing twenty years, I mean, they might not get sentenced to twenty years. Um, yeah, sure. There was three people that were on trial for murder, and I don't know if it was first degree murder, which is life without parole, or second degree murder, which you know is a possibility of parole and fifteen to twenty five years or something like that. You know that you could, I guess, come to that uh, come to that conclusion. But the overwhelming majority of people that are in uh, houses of correction are not facing 20 years. Yeah. Okay. Great show, Marcus. Thanks. Always, as always. I appreciate the call. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. So it looks like um, just again a cursory look at that Mass Lawyers Weekly article. It looks like so. What they have found was a lawsuit against the Bristol County Sheriff's Office for a particular suicide that appeared to happen, I believe, in 2014 can go forward. Um, that was a superior court ruling that it can go forward. Um, so I don't know if there was a motion for summary judgment or something or a motion to dismiss by the, the state um, on that matter. Yeah. Uh, so it's basically the question was whether or not the question uh, in this particular ruling was whether or not the sheriff's office could actually be sued, could actually be sued for um, uh, for uh, uh, negligence. Um, well, the estate of the detainee. Right. Because uh, or the or the inmate, because. Um, she's since passed. Obviously, she committed suicide. Um, but uh, could the estate of somebody in pretrial detention who um, hanged herself while in solitary confinement bring a negligence action against the Commonwealth and against the Bristol County Sheriff's Office? And so what they said was in Suffolk Superior Court, they said they can. Um, there is a there was an immunity. Cla- there's an immunity clause um, uh, that, uh, you know, allows um, state workers or state departments or public institutions, certain liability protections in the interest of uh, allowing them to do their job effectively, right, without, uh, you know, uh, uh, an over, you know, without being overburdened, basically, by um, the the worry of being sued, but they're saying they they pierced that veil for one reason or another that they that they apparently that there was an institutional failure here that would allow a lawsuit to go forward for negligence. So they're saying that this case can't be. There's a legal question that has to be answered here, and so I think that's basically. I think that's basically what it is. The the case is called uh, Prado v. Hodgson et al. Et al. means like other defendants, basically. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, Prado v. Hodgson et al. So they're, they're allowing the lawsuit to proceed. So they haven't, 
There hasn't been a ruling on that lawsuit yet, um, but they're saying what basically it can't be dismissed. You can't dismiss it. There's a lawsuit here to be adjudicated. It's just a matter of how it'll be adjudicated. There is a legal question that needs to be answered here. So um, that's basically the gist of it. I can, I'll can i have to go a little bit more in depth uh, and, and read the because it's a little bit, you know, there's facts and there's legal stuff that I just have to read through that just so I can familiar familiarize myself with the story, you know, more uh, completely and comprehensively uh, so I can give a better explanation. But that's more or less the um, the issue here was the lawsuit. Um, they're saying the lawsuit can go forward. So it looks like the state or uh, the state tried to dismiss the lawsuit um, saying that, you know, based on, you know, the, the immunities that they are, are are given to them under the law. Uh, as a state institution, um, means that they can't be sued for this particular circumstance. Uh, but what the what the superior court judge says is no, this doesn't apply here um, because you did this. So there is a question of negligence here, and negligence is the basically negligence is like the foundation for any civil liability lawsuit. You know, is there a, uh, was there a duty? Is there a breach of that duty? The proximate uh, is it the is that the is was that breach the per, uh, proximate cause of the plaintiff's harm and are there damages? Um, so that's basically the elements of negligence. Professor Peltz will be proud of me for for uh, pulling that out of my first year law school, <laughs> my one L law school. Um, Lessons. So I, I got to take a. I got to take a break. Uh, we'll be right back. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Fourteen twenty WBSM New Bedford's news talk station. WBSM isn't just a broadcast; it's also a podcast. Get all of our podcasts at wbsm.com, the WBSM app, or just search WBSM on your favorite podcast provider. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus Farrow, five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. I'm getting updates in the city council chambers from our. Uh, City Hall reporter Adam Bass, and he is telling us um, he, based on the comments that are made on the counts uh, on the council floor so far, speaking on the issue, they he believes the rent control, rent stabilization action, uh, rent stable, the rent stabilization ballot question. So this is the ballot question to ask residents whether or not the city should should pass a rent stabilization ordinance. He believes it's about to die. Um, so he said that there's four people who have spoken out against it. He said Councillor Oliver, Councillor Markey, Councillor Lima. Um, yeah, so uh, City Councilor at Large Ian Abreu, who's always been against it. Councillor Oliver, who's always been against it. Councillor Lima, who came out today and issued a press release uh, saying he's against the rent um, stabilization uh, ballot question. Um, and Councilor uh, Brad Markey of Ward 1, um, who I am not sure had made any public statements. Um, I had spoken with him uh, recently. He said he, said he was against it. Uh, so looks like that is um, about to uh, – looks like that's about to um, – Looks like that's about to go down. So Adam's going to give us more updates as more people speaking. He thinks there might be another counselor who may end up coming out against it. So if there's four votes, it's dead. Um, that question doesn't go forward. So, you know, um, we'll see how the conversation on housing moves forward after that. 
uh, or on on that that particular issue. Uh, so that looks like the the state of the situation right now, and so we're going to continue to keep you updated. And yep, six to five. Okay, so the Adam Bass has said New Bedford City Council sustains Mayor John Mitchell's veto six to five. Councilor at large Ian Abreu, Count, uh, Ward three City Councilor Sean Oliver, Councilor at large Naomi Carney. Ward 5 City Councilor Scott Lima and Ward 1 City Councilor Brad Markey voted no. So 6 to 5, it's they sustained the Mitchell, uh, Mitchell's veto. They sustained Mitchell's veto. So that is, yeah, Abreu, Oliver, Carney, Lima, Markey. So there were six councilors that voted in favor of it. There were five that voted against it, but only three could have voted against it. You needed a supermajority to clear that hurdle of, of of overriding the Mitchell's veto. And they were short of that supermajority by two votes. So five councilors were against it, six to five. So pretty close, pretty close call there. So 508-996-0500. Yep. Uh, so rent, rent uh, stabilization fails six to five. So... Abreu, Markey, Lima, Naomi. Uh, so, Councilor at Large, again, the, the, the councilors that voted against it to sustain Mitchell's veto, because only three of them could have, for it to, the veto override to happen, only three of them could vote against it. Any more than three, any more than three, Mitchell's veto sustained, the ballot question fails. So, Councilor at Large, Ian Abreu, Ward 1 City uh, uh, Councilor Brad Markey, Ward 5 Councilor Scott Lima, Councilor at Large Naomi Carney, and uh, Ward 3 Councilor Sean Oliver. So that question is not going to appear on uh, the New Bedford City ballot in uh, it, this year in 2023. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Two more questions up, and Adam Bass is going to give us those updates. Good evening. Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. We're tracking the city council meeting where the three ballot questions are up um, for uh, uh, to over, try to override Mitchell's veto. The rent stabilization ballot question asking city re- uh, that would purpo- uh, purport to ask city residents whether or not the city should pass a rent control ordinance. That has failed. It will not appear on the ballot in 2023 in the New Bedford City ballot. Um, five councilors have voted against it. Only three could have voted against it to override Mitchell's veto. You needed an eight to three vote at the very least to override Mitchell's veto. Ended up being a six to five vote. Councilors Abreu, uh, City Councilor at Large, Jane Abreu, Ward 1 City Councilor Brad Markey, Ward 3 City Councilor Sean Oliver, Ward 5 City Councilor uh, Scott Lima, Councilor at Large Naomi Carney all voted against the rent stabilization ballot question. It will not appear on the ballot. So, still two more questions. We're hearing that we're hearing that uh, someone's saying not nice things about media again. Um, that's okay, but uh, we'll, um, we'll 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 all we'll. We'll we'll figure all that out after uh, some of the commentary. After I'm really focused now um, on the ballot question. 
I'm focused on the ballot, the, whether or not those ballot questions um, make it on the ballot or they don't. And then we'll 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 uh, we'll figure out who's saying what about whom afterwards. I'm hearing there's some negative comments about members of the media. OK. Um, and uh, that's fine. We're here. We can get criticized. It's not a big deal. But uh, I'm more interested to see how the questions will um, how the questions uh, will pass or, 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 or not pass. Um, I think, you know, that was the, the one I, I actually thought had a chance. The other the other two, I am very skeptical of the of them uh, passing. I don't think they're going to. I'd be surprised if they do the the asking voters whether or not they want to gut the CPA and asking voters uh, whether or not they want to change uh, the four year term back to a two year term. I think those are I think those are D I think those are DOA as well. So we're going to get live updates. We got Adam Bass uh, in city council chambers giving us live updates. I've got people in the chambers as well giving me live updates too. So we've got people on the ground getting uh, getting the information from the council chambers over to the airwaves straight to you guys. So you want to stay tuned.